Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. This is Mike from the Main Push Podcast. That is right. We're going to be talking about all kinds of different angles in the wrestling business today. We're going to be talking about stuff from the past, the present, and the future. The future as what's going on in AEW, what's going to happen at WWE and NXT. This is what I love. This is what you want to hear. So let's cut the crap and let's talk wrestling. Folks, welcome back to the main push. This is Mike talking to you on a cloudy Thursday afternoon. We're expecting some bad weather here in a couple hours or so, but... You know, only life determines on it. We'll see what happens. Like how we're going to get into the AEW brand. We're going to be seeing what's happening with this so far. I know I said on my last uh, episode that I was going to do live point-on-point commentary as the action feeds live in front of my face on the TV, but I wasn't able to do that just as of last night. Um Let's let's just talk about it. Let's just uh, go with the flow. The match card itself. Um, we got the TNT Championship match: Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen. And we had a no disqualification match: Thunder Rosa versus uh, Martinez. And we had Lee Moriarty versus Brian Danielson. Uh, we had the inner circle implodes on a tag match. Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus Santana and Ortiz. Uh, the face of the revolution qualifier match between Max Caster and Wardlow. And we were going to talk about the promos from CM Punk Hangman Page and Adam Cole Bay Bay himself. Okay. Uh, at the top of the hour, it starts off with the CM Punk promo. He sat center cross-legged in the middle of the ring to kick off the evening broadcast. No code of personality, no entrance visibility on the broadcast to get to, to so because here's the thing that I have a problem about that. Not that I'm saying I don't have a problem with CM Punk, but for the, the listeners that listen to this, which is not a whole lot, just very few, but the people that are interested in getting back into wrestling that don't know who CM Punk is, you want to have that big live reaction, ladies and gentlemen, from your biggest star on the company, CM Punk. So for a new viewer, to be like, you know what? It's been some time since I've watched wrestling. I heard things about the AEW. Okay. Well, this is one way to suck in your audience. Is that entrance coming down from the stage to the ramp into the middle of the ring? Code of personality. The pop. It's clobbering time. The whole deal from CM Punk. He checks all the boxes on his entrance, ladies and gentlemen. So why not use it? You're paying the man. He's happy. You know, you want to feed in more attendance and more ratings when it comes to this product. So why not just give them the full package that you have been doing on the entrances? Okay? I understand that they might be strapped for time from the way how they have it booked and how they had it centered and set up. But... They start off at the top of the hour, and they, they gave in the feed. The audience did. They chanted to CM Punk. They never gave anything away from CM Punk. So as I'm saying, he sat cross-legged in the center of the ring, pipe bomb style, to kick off the evening broadcast. Um, what he had to say in his promo, I'll just give a few facts here. He said he was proud of the foundation that he laid in the center 
of AEW in his career so far as he inspired the entire locker room while MJF's foundation in the ring is he had to use other people to help beat other wrestlers. So he's stating some strong facts here, um, which is some strong points because he had to have Wardlow help MJF to beat him prior two weeks ago and their final one-on-one match they had. And this feud has been building up, I believe, since November, and we finally got the first match out of it. I have nothing wrong with the buildup, but sometimes a buildup for this to be the actual first match, it's like, you know, people get impatient with it. I understand building up a feud, the first whatever, six, eight weeks, and then finally have the match. But I feel like... It, t- it took its course. It's pacing out uh, longer than what it should have been. I have, I have, I don't have a problem with this feud. This is actually one of the better match of the year's uh, candidates or the feud of the year, whatever, whatever category you want to put it in. It's, it, it belongs in that category within the wrestling I've seen within the past year. This is a great storyline, great heel, great babyface. CM Punk, CM Punk talks with that enthusiasm smart style work on the mic style that CM Punk uh, does. He's very smart. He's very intelligent. He knows what to say on the mic, probably better than anybody in the organization. WWE say so and AEW for say. But also just this feud with CM Punk, it's bringing the best also out of MJF. I'm just talking about as a single competitor, blocking everybody else out. He doesn't need Wardlow. He doesn't need Sean Spears. He doesn't need the FTR. Um, he needs them just only toward the point of having that fucking heat on him. He doesn't need their help, per se, on the mic when it comes to mic skills because MJF checks all them boxes, too. And I love the fact on social media outside, uh, he doesn't break kayfabe. That shows how much love that you, you, you just had to have for this guy. He doesn't break kayfabe, ladies and gentlemen. And when I'm talking about kayfabe, I'm talking about being this one guy live on screen and just pretending, pretending to be that guy on screen and then just end up being your normal self on when the cameras are off and you're with your family. Whatever. He stays... On character around his family, friends, at whatever it is, uh, uh, signings, if he shows up at any kind of arena, special thing going on, he just stays in character. He doesn't break it. He's trying to... He's trying to bring that heelish side back to where you might want to watch this guy week out of week to just that fucking hate, that hate. Everyone's got that hateful person that you just kind of love to hate. It's like you kind of have to boo him, but you love what he's doing because he's sucking you into the story, the character, what they're doing here. So let's go back into the CM Punk promo. Um, he stated the stipulations because uh, the last week in that tag team match, he had Moxley as his partner. They won the match. So since he won that match last week, he was able to have the rematch that CM Punk deserves, but he was able to name the stipulations here. So 
the rematch itself will take place at the pay-per-view revolution. I think it's Sunday, March the 6th. That's going to be a $50 pay-per-view. It's going to be well worth it for a well-loved wrestling fan of this project my, uh, of myself. I'm really going to be looking forward to this. And he stated in his promo that he needs Max to learn some lessons so he could reveal that their match will be uh, he pulled he pulled the stipulation out of the heart box it was like a present surprise we don't see too many of them but he hold the chains in his hand and told uh, MJF will you be my valentine which stipulation will be a dog collar match uh, reminiscence of uh, he goes in the reminiscence of Roddy Piper's time in Portland and his epic encounter with Greg Valentine at Starcade of 1983 so Punk tees MJF with a picture of the two of them from years ago. This is back when the loudmouth heel was a baby boy. Not 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 really a baby boy, but he was a kid, okay? So he states when he's holding his picture, the price you will pay to meet me that day will pale and Compensation to the price that you will pay on March the 6th. And MJF just did a mic drop on the stage, walked out of the arena, and left speechless by his rival revelations. So, overall, as I said, it was some great work by Punk on the mic. He did something that nobody could really do in that organization, and that's leave the great loud mouth heels speechless without anything to say and this is the second time i think within their feud in the last three months that he was able to do that and no one can't master that kind of skills like like kind of like how cm punk would do so and the matter which mjf went from bragging to anyone and who would listen a week ago to being utterly silent unsure of what to say and how to react in the face of being one-upped by the great CM Punk himself with the great character work that he's been doing in AEW, and he just really puts this situation just well over the moon, man. I can't even I can't even go into words how how great this these segments are between the two. And the fans are about to witness firsthand that CM Punk's gonna catch he's gonna deliver the ass whooping that expected to come to MJF, and it will happen in what should be a match of the year candidate. So, uh, AEW Revelation, Revolution, whatever, I, I forgot the name of it. I get them bounce, bouncing back and forth. Revolution. It will take place at Revolution. It's going to be a great match. I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to spend 50 bucks to watch this, and plus the other matches that are going to be on the card. So, uh... Let's move on to some other segments that happened that night. Let's talk about, since we're on the subject of MGF, let's talk about his bodyguard. The, the guy they're trying to push as the strong man that could just go through anybody within, it's supposed to be just in a matter of minutes, not extended minutes here. So, Wardlow, he had a, a qualifying match for the face of the revolution qualifying match against Max Caster. The claims uh, Max Caster, uh, he tried to cheat he tried to cheat like hell. He's relying on the interference from his tag team partner, uh, AB, on a steel chain. Using it on the back, I guess the back of the neck while the referee's uh, 
was turned and and uh, he didn't notice that this was in the play. But ladies and gentlemen, it did not work. Warlow he fought through it all, and then toured what about five within the last what just a couple minutes in. Well, I don't want to say the last couple minutes, probably within that last minute. And I'll get to the, I'll get to the match number here in a second. But he just abbreviated uh, Caster. With the multiple power bombs, I, I, I believe it was two. He added another to Bowens, who jumped him after the bell. With Wardlow celebrating in victory, Sean Spears finally decides to use his steel chair and attack the acclaim. So that was the final verdict. The results: Wardlow defeated the caster. Um, the only thing I would say about this match I didn't care for is the angle that Sean Spears that was in. He was sitting in his chair. He was down the ramp, close to the guardrail. He was able to see to. The encounteration of the steel chain handed from AB to Max Caster. And did he do anything to help out Wardlow in this scenario? You know, circumstances? No, he did not. He sat there, he let it play. They tried to jump him after the bell. He didn't even fucking just, he didn't even break a sweat on jumping in the ring, helping out Wardlow. And this guy is supposed to be his buddy. But they have been teasing this for, for some time now. And I think this is what's going to be the aftermath at the Revolution's um, pay per view. I believe that CM Punk and MJF, they're going to get their final match out of the way. They're going to move on to a feud, maybe of Wardlow and MJF or how they've been teasing here for a few months now. So for a guy, and this is what I hate about this. I can, you know, Wardlow knows how to throw his weight around. He knows how to just go through the competition. And it's like, when it comes to the job guys, the guys that you know, that are the job guys, he can go through them like within a minute, or 40 seconds, but they put up the blade against him last week. And, he couldn't beat him until like until six minutes and ten seconds into the match. And this one right here, Max Caster, the acclaimed. Yeah, you know, he's I don't want to say he's necessarily a job guy, but he's a lower card talent on on the AEW brand. And if you're gonna push a guy like Wardlow going through your opponents and just squashed them like a bug. It took him a hell of some fucking time here to go through Max Caster, which I think it took him like just as just a few seconds over five minutes to finally beat him. So, and for a big guy like this, I'm it's like they're they're playing him stupid because he could see perfectly fine, but it's like they're playing mind games with him with Sean Spears and MJF. You mean to tell me that he can't figure this shit out on his own, that MJF is just bamboozling him he d where he doesn't feel important? And then one, by the time when Warlow starts downing his grounds, go, MJF's going to be like, hey, big dog, hey, big guy, we know we love you, and man, you've been the centerpiece for us, and yada, yada. Now he wants to kiss his ass. Because Warlow's fixing to throw down the muscle and whoop his ass. So, that's the only thing I like about this. They're stretching this on further than what it should be. Warlow, I know he has a... You can't tell me that he doesn't have enough common sense to figure this shit out. That he just needs to get away finally from Sean Spears, MJF. FTR is not really into the picture that much here when it comes to this segment. But just... 
That's their faction name is the Pinnacle. Get away from the Pinnacle, okay? Even though we don't really see the Pinnacle all that much at all. How many factions do we really do see nowadays in uh, AEW? We really don't. It was a thing that they hit off in the very beginning. They're actually doing something with them. They're actually giving them some time, and now they're not really just everyone's kind of like just either doing the tag team stuff or they're doing the single competitive stuff. So that's why I have a problem with the factions that are going on in AEW, so forth, and go on for on going as of I'm talking right now. So maybe they might be holding this off as I said until revolution I hope they just break you know break the fucking chains here you know because they're just been teasing us a little bit longer than what it should be because you're making the big guy look stupid here in which he you shouldn't have to be making him look stupid okay so they're pushing him to be the next big guy the next big star that don't be fucking bamboozling him like this okay actually you know it's it, it's like you're playing with the minds and the smarts of the AEW fans out there as well when you shouldn't have to be doing that okay so um Wardlow man he smashes the fools and uh it, it, you know his him smashing these guys will just never get boring here uh he was teased more than once that to the point where the use of a mid card heel to help him enhance him uh it's kind of i don't want to say it's, it's like a perfect little bit of booking but in the conditions of the audience to cheer Wardlow, then yeah, I could see where they kind of like want to feed this on more and more, a little bit more, because they're they're trying to occur this to him being a babyface. Which I mean, the storyline is telling itself. That's not going to be a problem. The fans already love Wardlow. They love he's probably the most loved guy in Pinnacle right now. If you want to talk about the faction, so. So this is kind of like right out of the creative formula. This is going to help the big uh, big guy, and um, Spears will will have the ass kicking that he deserves coming to him. I'm sure from Wardlow himself to shut his ass down from MJF. So I'm just waiting for this to finally just to break its course, and finally let's just get on with this because um, I'm really looking for because we need more big guys in this. Uh, organization i want to see the big strong guys i'm tired of seeing the played sandbox toys r us children running around this place um they kind of approved on this night last night and as i was tooting my own horn i was like you know what this might be the third week in a row that we haven't seen the dark order on the aw dynamite which i kind of put tooted my own horn too soon and we'll get into that later but anyways Let's get let, let's get this going with Wardlow, okay? So we'll get to some more segments here in a second. Um, I gotta take a break here for a quick second. Um, we'll get more to the card, so we're gonna go into a break. Stick with us. We're gonna talk about wrestling here. Stay tuned. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back once again on the main push. Uh, we're going to be talking about last night's uh, certain segments throughout the the rest of the night. Um, the ones the ones I feel like that are the furthest that are more important that we need to talk about on the podcast. Uh, I know I kind of jumped around a little bit, but we're going to move back a little bit. Um, this happened last night on uh, February 16th, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, on the AEW Dynamite showing. Um, there was a one-on-one contest match between Lee Moriarty and Brian. Danielson. Uh, there was an opening uh, promo, I believe it happened on Rampage this past Friday, where Brian 
Danielson vowed to teach Lee Moriari violence and teaching him a lesson on this one-on-one competition match. So as the bell ring, how do they start off? Uh, Danielson st- uh, strikes early. He takes his opponent into a surfboard submission before translating into a dragon sleeper. Moriarty fought out of it. He absorbed a nasty chops and rocks back and forth for Danielson with the drop kick. Um, Brian Danielson answers, uh, controlling the pace of the match through the pitcher and pitcher break uh, by uh, submission counters. Um there was a spot in the ring where their legs locked as their bodies contorted into like a head stance and Lee Moriarty and Danielson are throwing training punches to the torsos. Um, the, the fans in Nashville definitely got a kick out of it. They rose to their feet. I mean, why not? This is wrestling. This is what we're here to see. This, I mean, if you give something great for the fans to watch, they will Applause to it. No, no, no bullshit. No crap. Nothing that doesn't make sense. If you actually do something that makes sense, put wrestling into a wrestling match instead of these high spots, then the fans are going to get off their ass, off the seats, and they're going to applaud this shit. As we like to talk about on the main push, we talk about wrestling. Okay, so Lee, not Lee Moriarty, but Brian Danielson, he transitioned it uh, to to uh, transition Mar- Lee Moriarty into a label lock, but he was able to fight to the ropes and break off the submission. Uh, there are some stiff rights to the face of Lee as Lee Moriarty wakens, I guess, uh, as the wrestling te- uh Oh, term is called hulking up. So Lee Moriarty was trying to get some fire back into him, but um, he was doing the the stiff rights jabs, and I, I'll be honest to say, they looked kind of soft. They looked weak. Somebody needs to be. Uh, that's why we're having matches with Brian Danielson with this kid. It's nothing. It's not knocking on this kid. I'm sure he's going to be a bright talent, uh, a new face in the, within the future. And, um, and this, and this is not taking anything short off the kid. But this is why they're teaming up on a one-on-one match with. Brian Danielson, a veteran that knows what he's doing. He knows the promos. He knows the business. Training some of these young kids to maybe to get some intel of what Danielson knows how to do. So I just feel like with some veteran spots, working with the younger talent, maybe these young kids like Liam Moriarty would know what to do in these guys. So, I mean, yeah. Maybe he didn't want to try to break his jaw or anything, but it's just as I said, man. But they could have a more meaningful connection of a of a right jab from the elbows to the face, because when Danielson does it, man, he does it with some oomph. He does it with impact. He looks like he's there to lay you out. And I could talk about some of the younger talents inside the AW brand, like Darby Allen, man. When he does those suicide dives, man, it it, it looks like he, it's gonna knock you off your ass. So. If I, as I, I know I'm kind of repetitively repeating myself here, but I'm just trying to refresh the points here. He just needs more veteran help. He needs more veteran matches. Lee Moriarty. I think he could uh, he could broaden himself with more veteran talents matches like this. So let's get back to the match. So later on, moments later, uh, Danielson. Caught his opponent with the running knee. He knocked up Moriori out. He added the stomps to the face. And then he applied the triangle sleeper as the referee called for the bell. And Danielson defeated Moriori. Uh, 
I mean, in this segment, people know that that, that was going to happen. Um, it's and that's and that's another thing I like to talk about. Uh, wrestling fans don't like wrestling when it's too too predictable. Um, I'm not saying that Lee Moriarty should be winning this match, but if Brian Danielson is having a match with like Slidell one week and then Moriarty the next week and then an Angel guy the next week and dumpster mcdavid having the next week like the jobber guys that they know they're trying to build up danielson more than some of the younger talents that are in the locker room so this was a spot where a veteran was trying to look a younger guy and make him look good and make him actually look like a wrestler try to work him side by side whisper the spots in his ear let him know what to do what not to do so as i said working side by side they they, they do need that veteran talent so um you know so maybe they would you know be veterans themselves one day and actually know what to do here in this program because they need more veteran help here so let's talk about some more of the veterans because we had an aftermath here danielson demanded an answer from his for his proposal to john moxley for a union so we hear the wild thing moxley hits the ring we hear the music everyone's chanting the wild thing and um Moxley hits the ring, and he recalls the first time he ever met Danielson. He met him in the Ohio Indies match that he lost. Moxley admitted that he could not think of any good reason at all not to say no to Danielson's offer. But also, he wondered, in the back of his mind, is the American Dragon himself, Brian Danielson, offering this because he does not want to fight Moxley? Is he afraid of him? He doesn't want to cross paths with him. Is that the case? We don't know. We'll find out. But he left. But he was willing to leave that up to Brian as he posted this as the end of the segment. He says, I do not stand side by side with nobody until I bleed with them first. So, stating the case, if he wants to form a union with John Moxley, they're going to have to get in the ring at some point, if this is what he really wants. And let's talk about them as just a union, as a faction, together, as tag teams. Oh, that's a lot of star power, ladies and gentlemen. Is uh, is this the kind of help that they're going to need? Uh, two veterans together to help out and... The tag team division is drowning here in AEW right now, and I'll be fucking honest about that. I mean, they're drowning without even a fucking life jacket out there because they need more help from veterans. I'm going to be preaching this all night long. Veterans, veterans, veterans that know what to do, know how to call the spots, not actually bled in this business longer than anybody that knows what to do. And that's the only way you're going to get experience, ladies and gentlemen, is you got to get your feet wet. Get your feet wet. Jump in the damn what, what, whatever size that you want. If, if, if it's a pool, it's the ocean. If it's the river, what size? you But, but that's the only way you're going to learn. That's the only way you're going to figure this shit out, ladies and gentlemen, is you got to appeal yourself and demand yourself that level of uh, expectations. And what's better than to level yourself than standing side by side with a veteran? That's the that's probably the greatest thing that you could probably get information off as a veteran. Because I could go into sports about this shit. Aaron Rodgers side by side with Brett Favre. That's probably some of the best information he could have. So forth and so on. 
Okay, so at some point, let's get back to the topic here. At some point, they're going to have to collide here. They're going to they're gonna, I mean, Danielson is going to have to prove himself to Moxley because that's the proposal that he's dropping here. I said, look, man, I, I got nothing to lose. If you want us to team up and actually be something, man, you're going to have to prove yourself to me. You're going to have to bleed with me first. So just thinking about the star power of that, man, they could, they could level up a lot of the talents that are green in the tag team division. That might be a smart move because let's be honest. Okay, if you want to outweigh this, where are they having more difficulties at? In singles competitive matches or tag team matches? My silence should answer that. But I can leave this up to you. That should, I'm just saying for my this is my show, for my point of, uh, of, of opinion here that I'm seeing on the show, this could help escalate and evaluate the tag team division. So let's move on to the next segment since we talked about this. What happened later on in that night? So we had uh, the Hangman Page promo. We're going to be talking about that here. So Hangman Page enters his way to the ring as for an interview with Tony Schiavone. Before he could get the promo started, he was interrupted by Adam Cole. I don't know what's going on with all the interruptions in this business. No one can even cut a promo anymore. It's stupid. Let people get their spotlight. Let people get their time. I'm not saying that a promo can never be interrupted, but let it be interrupted at the right time, at the right meaningful time. So... I'm being interrupted with my thoughts here. Thanks, Adam Cole. Adam Cole interrupted the promo. The former friends and roommates recalled their history together and questioned their quality of friends that they have been over the years. Um, Cole kept on taking jabs at Hangman Page, but he tried to turn around and goes, man, I have all the respect for you. I'll do respect, yada, yada. Uh, there was a spot in there where Cole has called the champion the other Adam. Anytime when they share a promotion together, he's always been the second uh, Adam. Talking about Hangman Adam Page. He's always been the second Adam in every promotion they have appeared in. So that kind of lit the fire underneath Adam Page. He was he was he's taking off his jacket, you know, rolling up the sleeves, ready to do a, a physical altercation here, but Cole talked himself out of an ass whooping here. So saying that he would like nothing better than to share the ring with him. And when they do it will be for the AEW World Champion. He says, when the time is right. And then he sh- shook his hand out of an appreciation and respect for Adam Cole. Adam Cole shook his hand. Adam Cole was leaving the ring, leaving Hangman Page by himself. I guess who comes out of nowhere? Uh, you can't really call him the undisputed part of the undisputed era anymore. I know they're all, I mean, I know there are still a faction, but. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly attack Page from out of nowhere. So, and then Adam Cole started coming back to the ring, looking to break the altercation, but he fed in the light of the fire of the so a surprise attack. It just fed the fuel to that fire on being blindsided. So he jumped in to help with the altercation on the attack of hangman Adam page. And what do we get after that? It's security uh, attempts to intervene into altercation, which that's the thing to do. This is non-sanction. This is not supposed to happen. Break it up. 
But what do we see after that? As I said, I tooted my own horn. It took the Dark Order out to the ring. Everybody in the fucking circus act, the Ringley brothers, the damn stupid circus masks and the little bearded midgets and bullshit. It took the Dark Order to break this up. So Dark Order came out to the ring to protect on the side of Hangman Adam Page, ran out Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, and uh, Bobby Fish, and then one of the damn Dark Order guys started attacking full on with clotheslines on the security, but the way how they did the spots, it's like the security was kind of like leaning in expected him to do it and they're just taking these spots way too long to make it even more look look like horseshit than what it should have been so that shit kind of fed me up there they should just left it alone man versus man mono mono without the stupid bullshit this is the first time they actually met the face to face like this in a damn altercation about fighting in the middle of the ring that, that I could think of for the AEW World Championship face to face. And what do we have? We have all these damn surprises popping out of nowhere. Uh unimpactful surprises popping out of nowhere. That's just meaningless. Like this shit's been going on for damn three months. Oh my God, man. It makes me so fucking mad just talking about this shit. So, that was just part of the issue. Just, well, I mean, and another part of the issue is the promos that Adam Cole that was cutting on Hangman Page. Man, he made him look unsure of himself. He made him look soft. Man, he, he kind of practically almost buried him. Uh, Cole literally called out uh Adam Page for abandoning his friends in the Dark Order, only to try to catch his thoughts and try to think of a better comeback to say. So, so the point that I'm trying to get across here is I just hope they don't try to bury a good thing or bury something before, you know, it gets started. I guess it's the frame of reference that I want to go here. I mean, regardless of the body structure that Adam Cole's going through, he looks like he's got that video game body. He don't have the same body like how he did when he was at NXT because people like the talents like Shawn Michaels and Triple H are pushing him to go to the gym, which, you know, Tony Khan and AEW say he wants to be friends with everybody. He wants to be on everybody's good side. He's afraid to actually throw down some authority here. Um, He got a little bit of fire underneath him when Cody Rhodes asked for a bigger number uh, frame of a contract cause and he turned it down but I mean if you have a business man you gotta hurt people's feelings you can't just be buddy buddies with everybody I mean it's just part of the business so uh, let's move forward what else happened later that night so we're gonna go on to the inner circle um, implodes the tag match here Jericho and Hager versus Santana Ortiz. Um, Ortiz uh, named down the, the stipulations uh, last week when they had that meeting. We don't sell things by moving the mouth. We we sell things by fist. That's how we do it in my territory, in my house. So he laid down the stipulation of Jericho and Hager versus Santana Ortiz. Um, how we're going to get this started? I, I kind of... 
I like the fact that Eddie Kingston was in the spotlight here, standing in the corner of Santana Ortiz, which that kind of irritated Chris Jericho, lighting the fire underneath him. So um, it was great to see the return of Eddie Kingston. Actually, on Dynamite, who's, yeah, as I said, he stood in the corner of Santana Ortiz. Um, Ortiz kind of found himself isolated. He cut off Santana for a portion of the bout. There was a hot tag to his partner, Sparkle, to come back, and then saw a duo cut off to a, a lion salt. And Santana delivers the Russian leg sweep from the middle of the rope. Um, what more can we talk about? As I said, I didn't really. I'm trying to remember spots here. Once when they did the street sweeper, it almost earned a near fall. Uh, on Chris Jericho as he responded moments later. Catches Santana in a cannonball attempt and applied the, the lion's timber. And he, uh, Santana, he looked like he was about to tap out. And I could have swore, I was like, please, God, do not let this guy tap out. But they kind of teased it for a second as his, as his hand finally made the rope. So they had to break, break it up. So there was a unprovoked attack by Jericho on Kingston allowed Santana to score the victory for his team. So, uh, I think, uh, Eddie Kingston made his way up in the apron, trying to get the, uh, referee to come over, you know, having an argument, verbal argument there that allowed, uh, Chris Jericho to jump from the second turnbuckle to do, um, an insecurity kick to the back of the head of Kingston. And then that allows Santana, Santana to score the victory as he blames it on back on Eddie Kingston here. So. The really good strength about this match is the storyline that's creating between Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. And I will be honest to say it here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Chris Jericho, <laughs> he, he actually he's he's looking a little bit slimmer. He's he's getting back in the gym. He's he's hitting the weights, and the cardio looks like a little bit harder. You can tell by the difference. I mean, it it, it still shows. But, man, if, if he keeps it up, man, he could be back at Chris Jericho form. This one, the better match that I've seen at Chris Jericho actually in quite some time. So now out of this tag team match, the issues within the inner circle are worse than what they were before, and now Kingston is back in the picture, ready to add the gasoline already towering inferno that's causing here. So saying that we're not, we don't know what holds the future for the inner circle and the faction and the teammates, the very first rising faction and the AEW brand, maybe moments or weeks later, that's, that's, you know, those will, uh, a counter and we'll finally get the final results on that. Um, but as I said, Santana Ortiz, they're great on their own tag team. They should be in that tag team division. They should be within at least top four. They should, uh, because they're being overshadowed by now by people like the Young Bucks and the Dark Order and the damn Jungle Express and the Best Friends. We get to see that shit within every other week, whatever. But it's like, but we can't see Santana Ortiz on a regular basis. Or we can't. Where's Miro at? Singles competitor Miro. Hoping, I think he's out on injury right now. We're, I'm hoping to see him back here real soon. Um, who else has been out that we could talk about? I know Kenny Omega is, is going through multiple knee surgeries or whatever the case may be, but they're going to try to build his return at this revolution or revelation, whatever the pay-per-view is, but I think it's going to be out more longer than demanding of, of his return. So, um what happened later on that night? Uh, the house of the uh, the house of black, the demons of the night of the round table, Satan's asshole, whatever you want to call them. Uh, 
they were doing the whole angle where they're at kind of like in a dark kind of a castle-ish room playing the card game uh the the cards that the uh the psychic the psychic readers use of the man of uh I don't want to say demani is not the, not the word I wanted to use, but kind of like shadowing. They're they're near the come future, and as they were coming toward the end of that segment, they're teasing a third guy behind them that was kind of like in the shadows, and he was kind of blurry. So we're fixing to see a third man in the House of Black. This is looking good. Who who's it going to be? Um, there's insider expla- uh, wrestling insider explanations that go into the fact of they believe it might be Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt being a part of the House of Black is that going to happen? Maybe so. Um, maybe they might break this news out at uh, the Revolution pay per view. We maybe. I mean, this is what I'm saying. Uh, Tony Khan likes to send the people home happy in the brand of AEW. That's another thing I can respect about this guy. So he loves doing the whole surprise things at his pay per views. That's another reason why I want to purchase on the pay per view. I like to see what happens. Are we going to see this third map? This this third member pop up at the pay per view? This is going to be interesting. So let's go into other further details that went on later on that night. I know I stated on the card of. Um, Martinez versus Thunder Rosa, they were going to have a no disqualification match. I kind of just glimpsed at it. I mean, Thunder Rosa is a solid women's talent within the AEW brand, but I'm not too caught up on the Martinez. Uh, but what's his name? The guy from Cobra Kai happened to be in the spotlight in the segment. Um, uh, Reese, whatever, uh, uh, from Cobra Kai. Uh, he was sitting on the sidelines or whatever, and, and they did the whole Cobra Kai, no mercy, sweep the leg. That's what he was stating the fact on here to Brit, to Brit Breaker. Brit, not Brit Breaker. <laughs> Brit Baker. Uh, to emerge to, uh, hey, man, if this Martinez doesn't fall through, then show no mercy. You know, sweep the leg, whatever you got to do. So after the match, we had that whole thing where the Brit Breaker – that breaker baker i'm trying to get that right there's too many bakers and breakers here in the wrestling organization so she emerged and watched at ringside as jay uh jamie hater and uh, rebel they attacked him from behind on the aftermath uh rosa defeated martinez in this match by the way so the heels they stood tall to close out the segment uh baker appears uh, several uh serving her relationship with martinez so um I could care less about this. I don't know what's going to happen. And I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I just, that's why I'm kind of drawn out here. Cause I don't, I don't have nothing to really talk about just cause I really don't watch the women's, you know, revolution division, whatever you want to call the women's division nowadays, divas, whatever. So I just, I just don't pay attention to it. That's kind of like the piss break for me. So coming back from the piss break, we got the TNT championship match of Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen. So, so the Nashville audience, man, they both stood tall as Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen stood uh, across from each other as, as they made both their entrances. Um, I mean, the, uh, out of Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen, the fans seemed to love them both equally. The Spanish God and 
the Darby Allen with the makeup and everything. So uh, early on, uh, there was a little bit of back and forth, gave the way of the Spanish God to earn the upper hand early. So downing uh, Allen during the break, uh, controlling the action. At one point, he attempted to moonsault, but landed on his feet, uh, tweaking his knee in the process. Back from the break, he delivered a jaw-dropping Spanish fly from the top rope, but upon crashing into the mat, again tweaking the knee. Man, y'all, y'all gonna end your careers here, man. Y'all need to play it safe. Be careful here. So, um, uh, there's no surprise out of this talent. Uh, you know, <laughs> Sammy Guevara does the whole thing. I'm crazy, spinning the the hand right right where his face is at. Let him know that he's loco, and everybody knows the the uh, the towering resume of head-on collisions that damn uh, Darby Allen does. So I knew we were going to see a whole lot of uh, suicide, high-flying stuff going on in this. So let's get back to the points on the match. The injury allowed Allen to seize the opening opportunity and and to apply the figure four, looking to force a submission for the championship. But Allen pulled off one near fall, then added the float over stunnered, and then that sent Guevara to the floor. Uh, there was a tope, a tope suicida attempt, and was countered by Guevara by by hitting a cutter onto the mat. What a beautiful counter! That was awesome. And then, um, and uh, I know I, fa- I I failed to mention there was one spot on here that um. They were both countering a move on the top rope as he tried to do a Spanish fly. Uh, Sammy Guevara onto uh, Darby Allen, but I guess, or he, maybe he was looking for the GTH, but he put, he wasted them up on his shoulders and he kind of just threw him up in the air and his stomach landed on the top turnbuckle as he landed on the mat, onto the apron and onto the mat. That was a hard fall by Allen, man, and they both sold that beautifully, man. Darby Allen, man, he could sell uh, an injury and probably better than anybody in the business as an AEW t- uh, frame of reference talks here. So... Uh, let's get back to some more points onto the match uh, with the referee Bryce Remberg distracted by Sting and in a sudden appearance by uh, Jose at ringside. Andrade Alidolo appeared to crouch down as he hit. Uh, was it he hit? Uh, I-, I believe he hit Darby Allen with uh, what you might call it the tablet that he had. And then Guevara was unaware of what happened. He delivered the GTH for the win. And then we had to have an aftermath after, after that bullshit. And Matt Hardy appeared, okay? Um, I can't wait until he gets co-inherent with his brother again, bring back the Hardy boys, because Matt Hardy, is, he's kind of just... He's kind of like in the same spot with Chris Jericho, kind of just burning everything around him. Everything is just meaningless when it comes to Matt Hardy. So anyways, Matt Hardy appeared after the bell and he attacked uh, Darby Allen until Guevara chased him off. And Andrade proceeded to break break a table across the back of the Spanish God as he stood tall with the TNT titles to close out the show. But it's like, and when they did that, it's like, where's Sting? What the fuck is he doing? And then when he came in there to come after Andrade, it's like he took his fucking time. That's another thing that bugged the crap out of me. A veteran that knows what to do here. Probably no more better than Sting. He just seemed distracted with everything that was going on. He he felt like, as I'm looking at this go down, he felt so out of place. Like he didn't know where his place was in this segment. Uh, that was probably... 
I don't want to say it's a, it's probably the worst segment in the part of this match because Matt, Har- Matt Hardy coming out and attacking Darby Allen is probably the worst thing to see. But it's like, you know, I mean, Sting has been in this business for how long? Over 30 years? And just seeing him in this spot on what he's doing in the segments, it's like, man, he, he, he's kind of just like dragging his feet around like one of the young talents in this part. I mean, I hate to talk st- bad about Sting about this, because Sting is not normally like that. Maybe he just had a bad day at the office. I don't know. But, man, overall, it stunk on the part of Sting and the Matt Hardy and the whole Andrade thing. They should just left it just to be as Guevara defeated Allen. They should just left it as that. So that was the main event. So as the main, as we're talking about the main event, we'll stay on topic. Are they trying to build something here? Maybe for the pay-per-view? Um, we have seen Guevara and Allen wrestle on a big stage before, but in, but in better matches. But this was still an ultra-competitive main event that set the stage, I guess, I'm guessing maybe for a three-way here? Are we going to see that for the TNT title championship at Revelations or Revolutions? Are we going to see Allen versus Guevara versus Andrade? I know it's a hell of an opinion, but I mean, it's the, but it, it states it out there. And then putting it out there, they need to do something with Andrade. I know his English is about as rusty as, I don't know, rusty as, as an exhaust pipe in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because due to the damn snow and the salt hitting on the bottom of the cars, I, I can't put it into words here. But anyways, um, they need to do something with Andrade. I hope, you know, ever since he's debuted in AEW, his in, I mean, his presence hasn't meant anything, not even, not even for one second. And I hate to say it, but uh, – um, I never really paid attention when he was in NXT, and I felt like he wasn't really doing nothing in WWE. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, maybe he had a better run in WWE and NXT than what he did now in AEW. Because I mean, I just feel like when they put him in shadow, you know, not shadowing everybody, but when they put him in segments, I just feel like he shadows out. You know what? What great matches that we could have come to see. Um, not that I'm doubting Andrade's. Uh, performances by any means uh, I'm, uh, I've seen him had some solid matches he had a, he had that solid match of Pac that, that was a solid match and that's about probably the only solid match I could think of um, I'm, I can't remember if he had a match of Darby Allen or not I just, I'm just, that's, that's how meaningless Andrade has been in AEW because I can't think of any really a positive thing other than that Pac match that he's had ever since he's been in AEW so that was the night last night on February 16th of 2022 of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I'll have more numbers and wrestling times and data analysis graphs numbers uh, on the next episode. But that was the night for AEW. That was the results. And I know I said that we would talk about it on the show. And here we are. We're talking about it now. So for people that are still sticking with me and staying in there and staying tuned in, I appreciate your support. Hearing me out on my angles and my thoughts and my theories about 
wrestling on the AEW brand. As I stated before, within the wrestling times, we get more wrestling times at AEW than we do at WWE. But we'll talk about more about wrestling times on the next segment. So until next time, thank you for everything. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support, man. We're going to... Uh, I'll send you off positive here. Hopefully, uh, we're going to have the Elimination Chamber this weekend. That might be something positive this coming weekend. So, um, what's today? Today's the 17th. So, that's I think they're going to have it in Saudi Arabia on the 19th. It's going to be on the Peacock. So, um, I think the earliest they're going to show it is at 9 a.m. So, I mean, the card looks a little bit more stacked than what we did with the Royal Rumble, apparently. So, that's something I'm sure we could talk about later on on, on you know on the show here on the podcast. So um, we still got more wrestling to talk about, but we're going to close it off right here, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you for sticking with me with this. So until then, thank you for everything. Y'all have yourself a good night and stick to stay tuned with some more new episodes on the main push on wrestling. Thank you once again. Y'all have a good night. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. This is Mike from the Main Push Podcast. That is right. I just want to reach out to my listeners and say thank you for your time and thank you for your support on supporting me and what I love the most, and that is wrestling.